Thank you for tuning your hearts in for another episode of the Hearts Rise Up podcast. I'm Carol Chapman, your host, along with my co-hosts, Ann Sari and Conchetta Antonelli. We share our own personal experiences, tips, and strategies, along with powerful stories and compelling insights from guest interviews. We're here to inspire and empower your conscious evolution, help you tap into your inner wisdom and rise to your heart-centered higher self. Together, we can rise to a higher level of consciousness, an elevated state of being, and experience more love, joy, and freedom. Welcome back, and hello to all of you heart-centered listeners. Thank you for tuning your hearts in again and joining us for another episode of the Hearts Rise Up podcast. I am so excited to be with you today because I have a very special guest on our show. Her name is I yell it, Baron. I hope I got that right. You did. <laughs> Thank you, I yell it. Ayelet is an award-winning author, healer, and global futurist. She assists people around the globe in their transition to living a healthy life. Recognized as one of the top 50 female futurists by Forbes, she has been described as a force of nature when it comes to envisioning a more humane world. Her work has been inspired by futurist Buckminster Fuller, who reminds us that we are called to be the architects of the future, not its victims. After a very successful career in Silicon Valley as a global strategist at Cisco, working in every corner of the world, Ayelet followed her heart to write the books she wished she had when she started her personal transformation. Her award-winning book, our journey to corporate sanity provides a roadmap for conscious leaders, and her trilogy, F the Bucket List, offers medicine for the soul. Ayelet is passionate about driving sustainable change and being of service to the next generation of healthy creators on the planet. She now offers guidance to those who are ready to trek into the unknown through guided sessions and custom project work. Ayelet, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here, Carol, and love everything that you create in our world. Oh, thank you so much for that. It's such a pleasure to have you here. I have to admit, I felt an instant heart-centered connection with you when we first talked. You're such a humble person, and you don't find too many like you who have been in the top echelons of business. I know that no longer... Are you at the center of that game, but on the periphery, thank goodness, helping others and doing some great work? I just want to say that the books and the work you are doing now is really encouraging others to look into their hearts. And that's really what Hearts Rise Up is all about. And I just love the fact that you're helping people to explore their deepest self, their deepest desires, and to tap into the power of their heart to create anything they want in their life and to create 
really a better world. So I want to welcome you to the show, and I'm curious to learn more and to have you share your personal story of seeking the truth. I love to talk with people who are seeking the truth, who are finders of the truth. It's so refreshing to hear their challenges, their awakening moments. And I'd love to know, as a seeker of the truth, what you have found. But first, a couple of themes in your books seem to come through quite a bit. One is question everything. And another is letting go. I know that's the heart of a lot of what you're about. I'd love for you to share more about your journey and what brought you to the point of questioning everything and letting go. Uh, Those are big questions, Carol, and I love big questions. (laughs) I think that from the time I was a child, I was always suppressing a part of myself and kind of being taught how to be and what to think and and how to learn and what was appropriate and inappropriate and what was right and wrong. And there was always something in my heart that questioned it. But I was, as I started asking more and more questions, I was shut down, which is what happens a lot when you're a kid you're curious and you want to know. And, you know, until probably the age of four, everybody around you thinks it's cute, (laughs) but you reach a certain age where it's no longer cute and you're told this is the way life is, or this is the, the way life should be. And for me, my first memory in life is war. When I was three and a half, war broke out in my country. It really showed me the power of community of people coming together Mm. and showed me what was possible. And it also brought a different reality to me, which was if my side would have lost, I wouldn't be here talking with you. (laughs) And so, you know, for some people, their first encounter with war is when their parents fight or, Mm -hmm. or something, some kind of turmoil. But for me, it was a very external reality my father worked for the airlines. And so I've moved around the world my whole life as a child and had to start over in different cultures and different realities over and over. And there was always this desire to belong and be part of something. And I think that was actually detrimental to my development because I was always different. I was always on the edge I wasn't like everyone else. And as I grew older, I realized I didn't have to be, but I followed the manual that I was given of what it was to be successful. And as I started to experience the world, I started to fire myself from different situations because I just felt they weren't aligned with my soul. They weren't aligned with my heart. Mm. And they weren't easy steps to take because life could have been a lot easier and safer had I not made those choices. But there was something inside of me that was calling me to do it. And and I just kept trying different things. And, you know, like many of us, I learned the difference between success and failure. 
And I actually started to enjoy failing and, and stepping out of things and, and learning how to let go. But it definitely was, was never easy because the conditioning and, and the environment I came in was very much of this is how you do things, you know, the picket fences, the house, the, the kids, the education. And, you know, for, for a big part of it, it was all the things that my ancestors either lost and then uh, were trying to rebuild. So it wasn't really about me. It was about this lineage of how life was supposed to be. And as a woman, what my role was in it. I started, I think, at an early age questioning, but not really stepping into my power. And as I climbed the corporate ladder and started to see things, I, you know, what I had expected or my fantasies of how things should be and what they were in real life were very, very different. I don't even know how I made it to, to such a high level in, in corporate America because, uh, you know, I, I just didn't fit in, but I provided something that people didn't really understand that was very beneficial for the business. It was kind of interesting because I always got into a role that was created for me. I didn't step into a traditional role. Mm. It was very unknown and very risky. And then I would step in and I would say, hey, look at this. And we could go this way or we could do this. And, you know, we had amazing business success, always tapping into community, always working with other people. It was never just about me. It was really about activating the team. And I slowly looked and I saw that we don't really have leadership. About 20 years ago, when I started working more as a futurist, I said we have one of the, leadership, one of the biggest leadership crises in the world in every sector. And you look at 2020, and it's, it's very real now. Most people won't disagree with, with these kind of statements. And for me, it's not about looking at the world and criticizing it or saving it. I really believe right now that we're on this timeline split where some people are trying to preserve and go back to normal and go back to the way things were. And then there's a much smaller percentage of us that are saying, you know what, thank you for, for all these systems that were created, but they no longer serve us. And we're stepping out, following our hearts and connecting and saying, okay, what's possible? What's possible in education? How do we move from sick care to health care? How do we create systems that respect nature and regenerative agriculture and look at our food supplies. There are so many people right now doing amazing things in the world and we can't find each other and we don't even know about what's happening and it's happening. And this is where, for me, the letting go piece is really important because in my mind, it, I've always been trained and taught this is how you're supposed to do things. And now I'm saying F it. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't serve us anymore. And so what is possible? That is so true. I think that today we really need to consider the use of adversity and with what is happening in the world right now. And we do have a significant division and there's things happening both on a visible level, obviously, 
with the amount of turmoil and fear and things that are, and, and just the division that's occurring within our world and across countries and across the globe, but also in the invisible as well. There's things happening at a, you know, at a different level that we're not even aware of. And I think that that is really triggering an opening up of and triggering a kindling of the flame within people who want to make the world a better place, want to look and experience things differently because we have an opportunity to take adversity and turn it into something beautiful. I, I love that because I, I think for me, one of the things that was really important is the adversity I experienced. And I find that when you do face that adversity, you're really trying to look at things through a different lens. And one of the first points of separation that I discovered when I was much older on a trip to the Amazon rainforest, which I never imagined I would go to, was our deep separation from nature. Mm. You know, I worked in high tech. It was all about innovation. It was all about being number one. It was, you know, I used the coolest tools. I did things that were just incredible when it came to integrating technology. But I forgot that we were part of nature, that nature wasn't just a place we go to detox that, that, you know, everything, like if, if you're listening to this right now and you look around the space you're in and everything around you, unless it was genetically modified, comes from nature. And most importantly, we're part of nature and mm -hmm. our ability to respect Mother Earth and, and to stop and pause and feel this unity with nature is something that is foreign to a lot of us. Because, you know, kids today think like, oh, you know, all this food, it comes from the supermarket or, you know, it just comes to the door. I remember a friend of mine telling me that she took her daughter to the store and her daughter wanted some kind of toy. And she said, no, we can't afford it right now. And her daughter said, well, why don't you go to that hole in the wall and it just gives you money so you could buy me this toy. Oh, dear. Oh my goodness. This was before electronic transfers, right? So <laughs> So there's, you know, that that ability to to understand that we're part of and I think you captured it with invisible that we're part of this mysterious reality that even some of the most notable scientists in our history like Max Planck and Albert Einstein and and Tesla and others pointed to these are the mysteries. Like we're more apt to want to discover and explore space than ourselves. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, you hit the nail on the head. It's it's always something outside of ourselves, as opposed to what's inside ourselves. Yeah, and I think a lot of us, for me, got really twisted mm. by the new age spirituality. I really found myself lost. When I fired myself from corporate America, I discovered this whole world I didn't know that existed. And one of the first things I started to do, because I was so ingrained in the company and working crazy hours, 
and giving my all to the company to the point that when I called my boss after being on medical leave and I had a flight that crashed and I found myself on medical leave and I realized when I was on leave that I wasn't healthy holistically, not just my body, but all of me. And I, I wasn't going to come back. And I called, I, I had a telepresence with him and I said to him, listen, I just want to let you know not to drag my leave for another three months, but I'm not coming back so you can replace my headcount. And he said to me something that was so telling. He said to me, but I yell it, you always play hurt. Mm. And I said to him, what does that mean? And he said, you always put the company first. Oh, wow. And that makes sense. That was a a wide awakening for you when he said that. (laughs) It was like, no more. (laughs) Just like, oh my gosh, he is right. Yes. And no more. So that took a lot of courage. I I know that even as a, a child, you said that you like to explore the unknown and the more comfortable you got with it, the more you did it. So maybe it was easy for you to just say, Hey, I'm going to check it (laughs) because my health is more important. What did you go through and how did you do it? Yeah, it it was far from easy because Mm. I was the executive sponsor for the younger generation. I started a employee resource group for younger employees and was really, um, and programs that really were change makers in the company, including the younger generation and and kind of saying, hey, this is the first time in the history of work that we have six generations in the workplace. How do we create greater unity and, and work together rather than division and saying, oh, that generation doesn't get it. So I felt this commitment and I was also very heavily involved with women I can't even tell you how many women I was mentoring across the company. And so I felt this obligation to them that I had to stay, that I had to suck it up, that I had to do it. And I think this, unfortunately, I hope that this doesn't happen to other people where they come into like, you know, a drastic crisis, like a plane event or something like that, that makes you really look at things and say, wait, this is my life. What do I want to do with my life? Which is why I wrote the F the Bucket List trilogy, Mm. because I wish I had those books when I was going through this myself. But it wasn't easy. But what I found was that when I let my team know, I could tell how upset people were, but then people were really caring about my health. Mm -hmm. And so I got that support because I really loved a lot of the people I worked with. And then when I found out that it took three and a half men to replace what I used to do in the company, (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was really silly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I would use another word, but I won't use it here. But (laughs) But just imagine too, what if, you you know, if, if they replace you with three people, three men, what you can do and with what you're doing right now in terms of just the sheer inner power that you have within you. I I have to tell you, Carol, I have never worked as hard as I am now. Mm. I have never worked this hard because I so believe that there is another way that 
as more people step into our power and stop giving our power away and really, really go inside ourselves and not in a hokey kind of new age way. You know, I found a lot of people out there, you know, using Carl Jung's work of the dark night of the soul, but what they really wanted to do was hold your wallet while you went through it. And so you, you had to practice, or at least I had to practice a lot of discernment and I faced a lot of traps of, cause I was so curious. Cause you know, one of the first questions you asked on this conversation we're having is about the truth. And I had been conditioned to always like being at the top of the class, getting good grades. Like my dad didn't care whether everybody didn't do well. He only cared about how I did. Mm. And so that seeking of knowledge and that seeking was so ingrained in me. And it was one of the things I had to let go. I had to let go of and, and feel comfortable with the unknown in terms of knowledge. Because much of our society right now is about who knows most, who influences most. And it's, it's a scam. Exactly. Because society is trying to dictate what is truth. And then we begin to believe it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We buy into it at a very, very early age. Well, we're not allowed to question, you know, and what I love right now mm -hmm. is that young kids, the kids that are coming on the planet right now are a bit different and they're asking questions like, why, why do humans eat cows and pigs, but not zebras? They're not, you know, when we tell them, oh, it's just the way it is. It's just because they're like, no, we don't understand. Could you explain to me why we do this? And they're not taking the answers that we accepted because we were told not to question authority. This is something that's so ingrained in us. And, and for me personally, I started to look about in, at the authority figures in my, in my life. And I realized that we were taught to trust everyone else before we were taught to trust ourselves. Mm. And this is where the heart comes in too, because we were told we were taught to trust our mind and to celebrate our mind more than our heart. Because if we were goofy and creative, mm -hmm. we didn't necessarily get the good grades. <laughs> That's right. And if people only knew, really knew that the mind is where the ego resides. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not where the heart resides and the heart never lies. So if you tap into your heart, your heart is a portal to, it, it can bypass the mind, basically. It goes beyond mind. And our opportunity is really to look at all the pieces of ourselves mm -hmm. to be whole is like, how do we have a healthy mind and a healthy heart? Because some people say, you know, the biggest journey is from your, your mind to your heart. And I say, no, it's for me, again, it's personal. For me, it's that alignment. Mm -hmm. If I can have a healthy ego and I can have a healthy mind and a healthy heart and a healthy body. And I am very cognizant of the beliefs that I mm -hmm. put in my mind because I had to clean out a lot of the limiting beliefs that I was conditioned to believe and really look at them 
and then look at the people that I put in my heart. Are they, are they healthy or toxic for me? Right. And it's a lot of work. And then for my body, the, the services and products that I consume, I learned to trust authoritative organizations. But then I don't know, in the last 10 years, I found out that the FDA approved arsenic for chickens. Mm. And so I started to look and I started to see a lot of my friends and family going through breast cancer. And, and I started to question it. And I started to see that many of the deodorants that we put under our arms have toxic materials. And I met amazing women like Maget Wade, who's the CEO of Skin is, Skin is Skin. And she taught me that anything that I put on my body it's like eating any food. I have to be able to eat it and consume it because it's going through my blood and, and, you know, exactly. Many people know this, but I wasn't as aware. And I really want to make us aware of all of this because when we can become conscious human beings, not consumers, but conscious creators in the world. Oh, I love that. So much is possible. Yes, there is. And when we can align the mind with the heart, let the, the heart lead and the mind serve the heart, great things happen. And that's where we create coherence within our mind, body, and spirit. I'm curious, you mentioned that you had started to explore, and I think you cover this as well in your book about exploring. How does one explore? How does one really dig deep and explore? Do you start with your self-limiting beliefs? For me, I can only speak to myself. And the thing about my work and my books is that mm -hmm. you have to do your work. So my work isn't for everyone because somebody who wants like the seven steps or the five steps, I can't give it to anyone because I don't know you and you have to do your own work. Mm -hmm. And that could be the first limiting belief you have to work, you have to go because you know, we've been so taught that someone else stands in front of the room and has our answers when they don't even know what our questions are. For me, it's to start asking the questions. And what I love to think about is, is kind of the baggage that we're taking with us everywhere we go. And for me, it was starting to understand the limiting beliefs that I was holding. And in the first book in the trilogy, I share eight of mine and encourage other people to find their own mm -hmm. and also the societal conditioning about right and wrong, good and bad, appropriate and inappropriate. And I love to tell a story of a little girl. This is before this pandemic, <laughs> but this little girl who goes to the food court with her, with her parents and it's very busy and noisy. And the little girl looks up and her parents have always taught her to tell the truth. And she looks up and she starts pointing at this woman and in her loudest voice, she screams, hey, look at her. She's got a mustache. Mm. And the parents are mortified and they're trying to shush her and tell her, oh, this is inappropriate. And she's so confused because she's always been told to tell the truth. The woman really had a mustache, but it, it's not societally appropriate to point that out. And we've been hiding behind our masks and facades for a very long time because that's how we were taught to be. And when we could step out and start saying, okay, what is, what is it for me? And how do I want to live my life? Because I think at this time in history, 
there are more and more people questioning and saying, hang on a sec, I've done everything I was supposed to do. And the superficial pursuit of happiness doesn't really provide me with joy. So how do I really transition? And I think for a lot of people, it's it's not doing what I did, which was just firing myself because I was in a position of being able to do it because you really have to look at it and because you're not going to manifest your, your mortgage payment just by clicking your heels. There's, there's a lot of work that you need to do for yourself to really be grounded in reality of what is it, what's your enough, which I get into big time in, in the, in the second book in the trilogy. And so for, I think for, for each person it's, it's personal and, and the questioning is the key piece for me, it was really going and, and looking at the limiting beliefs, like that being safe isn't really being safe. That I, you know, keeping on in the same way that I was told that this is how my life should be, because I could have stayed in corporate America and have had a couple of houses and boats like my bosses have, but that wasn't giving me what I wanted to do. I've always wanted to build community. I always wanted to be able to write and help others through the writing. And it's been such a gift to now be able to say that I'm an author. Mm-hmm. It's like from the heart, because that's what I wanted to do when I was a little girl. I wanted to write. But I kept being told, how are you going to make a living? How are you going to support yourself? And so I put that that dream on the side. And what I love now is I'm through this work that I'm doing, I'm meeting people who are doing amazing things like they're helping kids and they're creating different programs around education and they're looking at experiences and they're not saying this is how it should be. And are we all that are trying to create these healthy systems that serve the vast majority of humanity, not the few? Are we not facing challenges? Absolutely every day because it scares the heck out of people. But I'm at a point, I got to a point where I started to look at the world and part of my questioning was no one could tell me for sure who created the sun, who created the plants, who created the earth, who created us, who created the animals. There were different theories, there were different philosophies, there were different discoveries, but for sure there was not one answer. But I could go back and track who created taxation, who created politics, who created marriage, who created every system. (laughs) And so if we are such amazing creators, I think we're at a point in history where it's time to thank our ancestors for bringing us to this point and saying, what is it that we need? And my dream is that these books get to millions and millions of people who are ready to question everything. And even if it's just about living a healthy life, making better healthy choices for yourself and your community or starting a garden, and it, these books reach to you, that's my my metric of achievement. And if it could reach the people that are saying, wait a second, what is the way that we should be governed? How should we create healthcare? 
how can we create these systems that serve the vast majority of us and then be able to connect each other and and step out of this world of suffering, of greed? In 2019, the World Health Organization told us that burnout is a mental health issue. Mm. But what about greed? Productivity? What about efficiency? In 2020, as we enter 2021, on a financial spreadsheet, your furniture in an office is considered an asset, but people are considered a liability. We cannot continue on this trajectory. We need people to step into our power, into our hearts, and say, what can we create together? And I think that's really what you mean by the phrase letting go means making space for your wildest creations. That's front and center on the homepage of your website that really is something that really stood out for me. You also use a term, architects of humanity. And I think that's really kind of what you're talking about right now is we have to really stop the direction that we're going, stop that trajectory because it's not getting us anywhere. It's kind of like doing the same thing over and over and expecting something different to happen. And we've got to do things differently. And it starts with each of us, right? I've used a term, which is really interesting. You've used architects of humanity. I've used the term, be the architect of your world, because you're always constructing whether consciously or unconsciously. It starts with each of us. For you, it started with you of really digging deep and and going back to what uh, had meaning and heart for you and what you wanted, what you aspired to when you were younger and tapping into that and having the courage to pursue it. And when we pursue our deepest heart's desires, we can accomplish anything. Absolutely. It's also rewiring ourselves because we were taught that there was a special council that makes all these decisions for humanity, and and there isn't. I started doing research and I saw that most of the leaders, current leaders in the world are psychopaths and sociopaths. Not all, but many are, especially leading our countries and many of the businesses because that's what it takes to get there. And unless we decide and make a conscious choice of what what and who we consume, it's going to continue. And human history just keeps on spinning. And we know how it plays out. And for me personally, I no longer want to watch the sequels. I mean, I just see all the time that the oppressed become the oppressors, and then it goes on again. I think we need to step out of the stories. We have hundreds of millions of nonprofits. And yet women today don't all have safe birthing. Not everybody on the planet has access to resources, including clean water and food. It's just insane that we keep giving our power and saying, oh my God, the philanthropists of the world, the business leaders of the world, they're here for us. When in reality, no one's coming to save us. It's, it's a story that we were sold that we need to cut and let go because no one, and I have worked all over the world and seen people who have nothing and from, from a Western perspective, and they had everything. They're my inspiration. 
they, you talked about adversity, they faced so much adversity and they were my biggest teachers of, of what's possible and looking at things from a much healthier lens and saying, hang on a sec, I can't come in and be this Western person in one of the biggest slums in the world telling you how to live your life. I don't know anything about your life, but you do. And I ran experiments and it was just so heartwarming to see what is possible. I'm not writing about things that I haven't experienced or that I haven't tried myself or I haven't failed at. I'm writing and sharing things that are happening in the real world out there that we don't have access to because we want to go go and, and celebrate. I mean, in the second book, I, I jump into like, why are we fighting? What are we fighting for? Because anything that to me represents division and separation, this red flag goes up in my mind. Like these people are bad. These people are good. Believe this. Don't believe that. I'm like, wait a second. Can we step out of these stories and really look at it without the blaming, without the judging, without pointing fingers, and without this victim hero society that we created? And I just consciously decided that I could no longer afford to to be a victim and to step into my power, even when I fall flat in my face in certain places and the voices come in my mind, in my head, (laughs) that are telling me like, hey, hey, what are you doing? And I think this is part of really being able to go inside yourself is to identify these voices that come up. Is that your grandmother speaking to you? Is that your father or your mother? Is that society? Is that a teacher, a religious person who was in your life? But those voices have been ingrained in us. And when we can really identify who they are and understand that they're not who we are, there's a lot that shifts. Absolutely. It's about really deprogramming (laughs) yourself. It. It is not easy. And you talk about unconditioning in your, in your books. You know, it's, it's just like peeling down to the core. And I think what you said about all the, we have all these stories in our, our heads, but they're not our stories. <laughs> they're the stories of others who have imprinted them in us. And we've come to the point where we were programmed where we believe them. And, and it's not serving us at all. And then we don't know what to believe. Well, I think if more of us believed what I've learned to believe, Mm -hmm. it's personal, that life is just a beautiful adventure. And to be human, you feel happy, but you also feel sad. You grieve. I mean, the only thing we know for sure is that one day we will die. That's the only thing we know. The rest are stories. And I'm not talking about science. Of course, we know things from science and, and, and you know, reality of, of nature and things like that. But I'm just saying about our lives, the only thing that we know for sure is that one day we will die. And some people spend their whole life not living. And some people choose to leave too early, which is happening a lot right now to a lot of families and a lot of people who are just not able to cope. Mm-hmm. This is an opportunity for us to really think about conversations because going inside yourself means that you start learning how to have conversations with yourself. 
how to trust yourself, how to let go, how to unlearn things. So then you're able to be able to trust others and and to have healthier relationships. But first you have to have this healthy relationship with yourself and to be forgiving of things. And and every one of us, I, I don't care like what the tabloids say or what's on the front page. And I have been very blessed in my life to have met iconic movie stars and and um, scientists, Nobel laureates. And I mean, I've, I've, I've dealt with a lot of, you know, celebrities in my lifetime, and successful business people. And I see the herd everywhere. Everybody's going through something, you know, and, and when you can see it and not have to compare yourself anymore about being the best in the world or being number one and just being the best that you can be, so much weight is lifted off our shoulders. Absolutely. You know, we all have trauma in our lives. And I think that's the beauty of being human. And that that's a common thread for all of us is having trauma and things that we've had to deal with, you know, and obviously in different varying degrees. Each of us have had things that we've had to deal with in our lives. And we need to accept it, but not let it run our lives and move forward and not give our power away. We have to, like you were saying, we have to be willing to step into our power. With the work that you're doing now, you're very focused on connecting and community, creating community. What's on the horizon for you? What, uh, what are the things that you're looking to do over the next year or two once you get through the the publishing of the trilogy? I am going to look at another lifelong dream of mine, which is I don't believe we have true social networks today. I believe that many of the networks that have been built from a technology or a platform perspective are very much focused on advertising and antiquated business models. And I'm always excited when someone invites me to a new platform and I go to it and I see like it's the same kind of structure that we've had before where we're not really able to connect heart to heart. And I think there's been some progress going on right now in the platforms, but I haven't found one that I really truly want to be a part of that just lifts my spirits where I'm connecting with people. And what happens a lot is I get introduced to wonderfully amazing people like you, Carol, and we, we get on calls and we talk and I want to, I want to be able to continue it. And I want to be able to support the amazing work of creators in the world and create a platform or an online intentional community of people that can connect based on what we're creating in the world, not based on geography, who you are, what your title is or whatever. But I'd love to have a place where people can come in and connect about the next iteration of education or or governing systems and be able to find each other and create and also find ways to support each other in different ways. So I've actually seen seen this in, in my mind and I've 
tried to work on it in the past, but I haven't really found the people yet to be able to move forward to build it. And in the last six months, people are showing up and I think it's going to take a little bit of time to really create it, but I'm super excited to have a place where architects of healthy lives or healthy world can come together. Again, just like my books, it's, and I know, I know people advise me not to say this, but I don't care. It's, it's not for everyone. And I really want to be able to target the people who feel a need and are looking to connect from a heart perspective. And this is where I think our work in the world really connects because I think it is the heartfelt people who want to create and share our gifts with the world and want to learn. I really want to be around heartfelt people who want to learn and who tell me, wait a second, look at it this way. And what if we did it this way? And what can we do? And a place to play, not to feel like I've got to influence or I've got to be the the best or whatever. I am going to be stepping out and creating a community called Heart Pickings. And I'm not sure how long it will take, but it will be out. I know for sure, because I feel like this new evolution of platforms is really going to be around for 2027. And so in the next one to two years, I hope to be building a beta of this, which is going to be by invitation only for heartfelt people to really build something that we need with each other. So it's going to be a place that constantly changes and transforms because we're going to make it up as we go. And so I'm looking for other people and I've been looking for a technologist for the longest time who could build some of the ways for us to connect and connect in deep dialogue and connection, but also to be able to not make it transactional, make it very relationship-based. So I'm super terrified and excited and all of Well, I am thrilled for you and I love the concept. And I know that anything that you put your mind to will be a huge success. And not to say that there won't be, because I know that you relish failures, you know, failures, they, they don't set you back. They're a big part of success, really. And and I was saying there's going to be failures, but you know what I'm saying? There's always, in anything that we're trying to do, there's always challenges that we have to to break through. And you're going to break through that even right now. You're going to find that technology partner that they will present themselves when they're ready. (laughs) You know, it will be there. It's so exciting and so refreshing to hear of this concept, heart pickings. I love it and wish you all the success and will be there behind you 100%. And so I'm really excited for you. I have just a couple of other questions just to wrap up our conversation. But before I do that, is there anything else that you would like to share on that note that we were just talking about and anything else that we have covered? Yeah, there is. You know, I am a person who loves technology, but for me, like a a glass to drink water or up to drink um, a latte is a technology for me. And I think when it's integrated into our world and it's valuable, it's not separate again, just like nature. And when I first joined Cisco, I got a job that was created for me. And uh, my boss, who was the 
CIO at the time gave me one PowerPoint slide and said, I don't have time for you, but go make this happen. And he was told that there was a certain way to do this job and I didn't do anything the way I was supposed to do. And I got knocked on the head every time in my quarterly ops review about like, why haven't we seen this yet? But in 1997, we launched a daily portal for IT in the company. And because I knew that that was a way to connect people and make them better business partners across the company. And in 1999, we launched the first online community. And at that time, the technology wasn't there to do the things that we envisioned doing. And I remember standing in an operational review the day before we were launching and the CIO of the time said, hey guys, this was the senior team, uh, do you believe in what Ayala's putting out here? And one of my peers looked at him and said, have you seen her passion? (laughs) (laughs) We just got to go with this. And I just know anything is possible. And at that point, I had some of the smartest resources available to me. But when we believe with the heart that we can create something, that is what's possible. And I have to say that I'm so grateful for my time in corporate America because it gave me the audacity to be able to do this now. And everything in our life is interconnected. And so if you are in a job that you find is is weighing on you or Look at the things that you can go and create in it and and what wiggle room do you have? Because I think for, you know, unless you're working nine to five in in some job where you're serving the public or, or even in that job, in whatever capacity you are, you have an opportunity to leave an imprint, even though you're told this is how work needs to be or experiment with it. Try to look at the edges. There's just so much that's possible because you going in every day and suffering through it, it, it breaks my heart. And I, I want to let you know that there's so much that's possible when you do believe in yourself, when you do get aligned with your heart. I love that story um, about, you know, c- creating the first community. And what did you learn from that experience? Well, we failed because the culture wasn't ready for it. Like it was great. The portal people were ready for Mm. the community of really sharing information, but I used it, Mm -hmm. I flipped it around. I I used it as a different tool and it was, it was really funny. The, the CIO years later came up to me and said, I I finally realized what you were trying to do back then. When we were actually creating the technology for it at the time, mm-hmm. what I learned was that the culture, if it doesn't allow you to share information and to openly share what you're creating, the technology is going to fail. And that's what we're seeing all around. We're seeing people in, you know, right now at this point in history, we're seeing people in all these meetings never having time to do their work. In 2021, where we're headed, everybody's predicting the future of work, but we no longer know what work is. Because are you and I working right now or are we playing? Mm-hmm. You know, I think we need to bring in the younger generation, the kids. This is what I love about the teachers I'm learning from right now is that's what they're doing is they're asking them and they're giving them opportunity and they're not raising them for a job. 
they're raising them through experiences and teaching them about the world and letting them shine their light and then realize what kind of work or play do they want to do. But we, we have an opportunity now to expand our, our reach and expand our conversations and really reimagine everything. Absolutely. And beautiful things happen when we allow that to enter into our, you know, give ourselves the space to do that. And we need to give our children the space to do that as well. You're doing such good work in the world, just and what you're just your ideas and what you're bringing to the forefront could be a, a big game changer. And I'm just so excited for you. One question I had was, what advice do you have for others to, to rise up? And you've already shared some of that. Is there anything else that you would add to, to help them navigate our current world and really tap into living a heart-centered life? Well, just to build on everything we talked about, Carol, the thing that to me is this is an opportunity to pause and to really question everything and look at your life and say, okay, when I look at my life, what is healthy and toxic? Because we have to move away from the models of right and wrong, appropriate and inappropriate, good and bad. They do exist, but they have been created for the lowest common denominator. As we step into our power, we have the opportunity to not just go, is this good or bad? But imagine if you asked yourself, is this person who's causing me all this grief in my life, are they healthy or toxic for me? And really understand and get to the root cause. We have been so conditioned to solve problems. And that is a 20th century practice. So we have problems and then we run around and find the solution. I would suggest to take a breath and look at the problems that you're facing and say, okay, this is a problem I'm facing, but what's the opportunity? When we have a world with more opportunity creators than problem solvers, we have more architects of our own life. And so our ability to shift our mindset and really look at the viruses that are running through our mind to be able clean and purge and, and deal with a trauma, we've all, there's not one person who walks this earth who has not had some level of trauma. Mm. But when people are smiling on all these social networks and posting all this happy stuff, and then, you know, one in 10,000 of those posts, someone says, oh, a friend of mine just took their life today. Or we're, we're all dealing with stuff and we're not able to be there for ourselves and each other. And I would love to see less of us defining ourselves by what we do for a living because we are not separate. Work-life balance has always been a hoax. It's all about life and really being able to become whole and to be able to have that ability to have those conversations in the dialogue and not feel so alone in the world. Mm -hmm. It's just because I'm an author and I'm published. It doesn't mean that you can't reach out to me. It doesn't mean that you always need an introduction. There's so many people out there that are available 
And we just think that we have to be special and we're not. We're all here. And when someone does feel like they're better than you, then they're not for you. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. You've got to take a look at who you're surrounding yourself with and who you're interacting with and be selective. Be selective. And I know sometimes it's hard, uh, you know, in, in the work environment that, you, that you're in. But if you're in a toxic work environment, it's time to get out of that environment. Or look at the root cause because you might drag yourself one because you haven't broken your patterns. That's right. It's like with the relationships, it's like the same guy or gal is going to show up in a different body and a different head (laughs) until we break our cycles. And that's the same of human history. And so unless we go to the root cause, unless we start looking at the opportunities, unless we see how abundant, I mean, life is so abundant And we've been told to worry and fear and that there's not enough. But once you know what your enough is and when enough is enough, then your whole life can change because you're not living to please someone else or to, you know, make the headlines of something. You're you're looking at what are your headlines and how do you fuel yourself? Right. Well, you've just hit on something that is so important for people to recognize that so many people have a scarcity mindset. Scarcity, you don't find scarcity out in in the world in nature. You know, nature's abundant. It's plentiful. It's always there. But for some reason, us humans have this mindset of scarcity that turns into fear and and anxiety. And then we get stressed out. And it's really time to shift our mindset. And yeah, and you had mentioned something earlier, way earlier in our conversation around finding the things that are abundant in your life. All you have to do is just look for it. They're there. And also what, what, we, what you're consuming, because we set the price of gold and coal. If you want sand now, it's not, there's a price on it. And these are all natural resources. Mm-hmm. And so what we accept, like if... If, if companies continue to sell us $8 lattes and we continue to buy $8 lattes and they raise the price to $12 and we continue, that's, that's us. We can't blame. We have to also look at the cycles of sitting back. This is what good and bad, right and wrong does to us. It makes us sit back as though we're judging and observers instead of participating and engaging in life. Because we can't point the fingers and blame others if we continue to consume products that are cancerous. It's, 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 no one's, as I said before, no one's coming to save us. We've got to step into our power and say, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is what I'm consuming. Not because it's trendy, but because it's healthy. I mean, when, when we started to discover that the food that we were consuming was stunting the growth of our children. Do we keep consuming it? Do we keep buying it for our children? The fact that to eat healthy food is more expensive than junk food. We created this through our consumption. We can't blame anyone else. Yes. And it's important for all of us to educate ourselves and not turn a blind eye. 
And it's so easy to do that. But if we want to really make the world a better place, it starts with each of us and the choices that we make, educating ourselves so that we can make the right choices and asking ourselves the right questions and going from there. I just want to thank you so much for being on the show, Ayelet. This has been a great dialogue, and I'd love for you to share how people can connect with you. Well, my current favorite platform, despite anything else, is Twitter because it's the only platform we have where you don't have to accept <laughs> and you could find people. So I'm Ayelet B, A-Y-E-L-E-T-B, and I'm sure you'll post it on your site and just just reach out. I'm terrible on, on email because I used to get 600 emails when I was in corporate. So mm-hmm. that's why I love and respond faster to DMs on Twitter. Once I know they're there, now they've put in these restrictions on it. So it's become a little bit more complex. But if you do email me, I will respond. But I'm all over the place. And so please do reach out. Okay. And I'm super excited about what's in every person who's listening, because I know it's no coincidence that people find your show or are subscribing to your show. And I think that it is a community that really resonates in my heart. So I just want to thank anyone who's listening right now as well and and wish you well on your journey. Thank you so much. And I just want to Wish the best to you as well. And I'm just so delighted that you came on the show today and just shared your vision for things and as well as your journey. It's quite remarkable. Well, thank you. And I just want to let everybody know that this would not have been possible without my dear friend, Linda Polier, whose book, Trusting the Currents, is one of my favorite books who connected Carol and me. And so this should just inspire you to find the people out there that can connect you with others and and who know you and know that you're you're co-creating something beautiful together. Oh, thank you for mentioning that. And I'll I'll be sure to include all of this in our show notes and uh, even a link to Linda Polio's recording as well, because I interviewed her a few months ago. So that's a nice uh, interview. And thank you for sharing that. It's going to be a a beautiful place as we just continue to move forward into 2021. Thank you so much. Thank you. Here we go. We hope today's show helped to bring a bit more joy and happiness into your heart. We hope it inspired you to unleash your inner power and rise up to your best and loving heart-centered highest self. We'd be grateful if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews are important to spreading this valuable message. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and share the show with others. Visit heartsriseup.com for heart-centered courses, guided meditations, and our popular notes from your higher self. Until next time, keep rising up and may all that you love thrive.